For my sermon today, I want us to begin with the passage that I'm going to base my, uh, my sermon on. And like so many things you're hearing these days during Advent, it is from the prophet Isaiah. The great prophet Isaiah who lived 700 years before the time of Jesus, but whose uh, very long book, it's one of the longest books in the Bible, is filled with various references to the coming Messiah in ways that we now can specifically identify as being descriptions of Jesus. So I want to read now from the ninth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, uh, verses 2 and 3, and then skipping down to verse 6 and 7. If you'd like to follow along, it's on page 1028 in the, the Bibles that are in the chair racks in front of you. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. In my sermon last week, I referred to Handel's Messiah, that extraordinary work of music, and how Handel was so inspired by reading the words of Isaiah 40, which say, comfort, comfort my people, that he locked himself as an elderly man. He was believed to be past his prime as a composer. He locked himself in his house, and he came out 24 days later with the full oratorio of what we now call Handel's Messiah which has been called the most performed piece of music in history. Now, the first time I talked about Handel's Messiah in a sermon was six years ago, in 2010. After that sermon, when I talked about Handel's Messiah, Pam Cogswell sent me a clip of a YouTube uh, video where a flash mob performs the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah in a food court in a shopping mall. Now, if you're one of those people who does not know what a flash mob is, you probably still have a rotary phone, but (laughs) a flash mob is a group of people who sneaks up on other unsuspecting folks in a public place and surprises them with a musical performance. In this particular video that Pam Coxwell had sent to Carolyn and me, um, in this shopping mall food court, everybody is going about eating their food, drinking their drinks, talking, and the, there's Christmas Muzak coming over the intercom, and as that dies down, the music from Handel's Messiah starts up rather quietly, and after a moment, a young woman stands up from her lunch, and she starts to sing the part of the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. She's then joined by first one or two, a few more innocent-looking lunch people, until there eventually is a large group of men and women who together are performing the Hallelujah Chorus. Now, as I confessed six years ago when I first talked about this, that flash mob performance was so beautiful that every time, and I watched this several times, every time they got to King of Kings and Lord of Lords and He shall reign forever and ever, it made me cry every time I watched it. 
Now, I will insist now, as I did six years ago, that they were not girly tears. They were manly, brave tears as I listened to this music. But my eyes definitely welled up, my chin quivered, and I found myself crying over this. And I had to ask myself then, and I've asked myself many times since then, why does a video of a flash mob in a mall food court singing the Hallelujah Chorus, why might that make me cry? As I've thought about it ever since, and especially during Advent and Christmas, I've come to understand, I believe, why it is that that would cause me, and I think many other people, to cry. And it is based upon the scripture that we have today. Of course, we are in the Advent season, the time when the church, excuse me, is looking forward to the coming of Jesus, born as a baby at Christmas time. Our scripture for this week is from Isaiah 9. It's another of Isaiah's great messianic promises written 700 years before Jesus. And this may in fact be the most popular of the prophecies about the birth of Jesus when it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, sometimes this passage is only quoted from that point, starting in verse 6. Unto us a child is born. But I think it's important for us to back up at least to verses 2 and 3 in order to understand the real meaning here, what this is really saying to us, and what might cause me and others to cry at a YouTube video of the Hallelujah Chorus being sung in a mall food court. You see, this passage is one of the ones which most clearly and beautifully explains to us why the first Christmas happened. It helps us understand why it was that Jesus, the Son of God, was born as a poor baby in a manger 2,000 years ago, and why this is so important to us. Have you ever really asked yourself why we have Christmas? Have you ever considered what it really means that Jesus came to live as a human being? Why that happened? Most secular people, when they think about Christmas, they either dismiss it as a commercialized sales fest for the retail world, or else they embrace it as a season of good cheer, but not with any particular religious overtones or implications. Most religious people, on the other hand, tend to give Christmas at least something of its due, at least admitting that there is some point of religious significance, that Jesus is, as is commonly said, the reason for the season. But I think even the dear people who recognize Jesus as the basis of this often don't ask themselves why Christmas happened in the first place. Why it was that God decided that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, would be born as a human baby. When we Christians think about Christmas time and the birth of Jesus, I'm pretty sure we all have some understanding that Christmas is not ultimately about decorations or presents or family dinners, eating turkey until we're about to bust or whatever it is. Now, those things are all fine and they're enjoyable and we look forward to them. There's nothing at all wrong in them. But Christmas is not about those things. Christmas is really about Jesus. It's about the time when God himself became incarnate. And those Spanish speakers... It means incarnate, in the flesh, in the meat, quite literally. Jesus, the Son of God, became incarnate as a baby child so that he could live life as a human man. But still, why? Why did the first Christmas happen? 
other than all the fun parts and the presents and the parties and all of that, why is Christmas so important to us? And what causes our hearts to swell and our eyes to well up when we hear something like Handel's Messiah? Now, in previous years around this time, especially when Jean Chasse was still alive, I would be contacted by the Guadalajara reporter and asked to submit an article about Christmas, the Christmas season, I and other pastors in our community. And in particular, Jean Chasse, the last time she asked to do this before she passed, she asked me to write an article of why I saw a relevance in Christmas in Western culture when there's so much violence. Why do we celebrate this Christmas when there's so much in the world that is broken and hurting? And I realized that that is the right question, or at least it's very nearly the right question. What is the relevance of Christmas in a culture where there is so much violence, so much pain and greed and abuse and evil and sickness and death? What is Christmas all about in that context? Well, the prophet Isaiah here in the verse 2 of the ninth chapter of his book tells us exactly why Christmas is relevant given the brokenness of the world today. When he writes, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The people walking in darkness, the people living in the shadow of death. Brothers and sisters, that's us. All of us. And all of the people in every mall food court in Canada and America and everywhere else around the world, we all walk in darkness. As Henry David Thoreau famously said, most of us live lives of quiet desperation. We know something is wrong. We know something is missing. We know that we were meant for something better than this, that life should not be as hard as it often is. But while we have those feelings, most of us can't really see what it is that's wrong. We can't see because we live in darkness. So much of the time, we are afraid. We are afraid of illness, of poverty, afraid of accidents, afraid that our children will forget us or that we might outlive them. We're afraid that the money will run out before our lives do. We're afraid we'll die alone. The people walking in darkness... Isaiah was talking about us. We and all those people in the food court are the ones who are afraid and who are in the dark. And we most especially are the people living in the land of the shadow of death. From the moment every one of us and every other child is born, we begin to die. The only thing that can ultimately be said about our lives without any fear or contradiction is that none of us are going to get out alive. We all die. The shadow of death hangs over all of us every day of our lives, even though something inside us says it shouldn't have to be so, that that shouldn't have to be the case. But this is the world we live in. This is a world of darkness and fear and despair for so many people and a place where the shadow of death hangs over all of us. This is what the prophet Isaiah reminded us us of just before he gives us the most powerful and comforting prophetic image of the coming of the Lord Jesus. He says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned 
For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And this message is not just found in Isaiah. We also hear it plainly elsewhere, especially in the New Testament. In Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist acknowledges that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, and he baptizes him, but then John is thrown into prison. And in that harsh situation of being in Herod's prison, John seems to be less sure about Jesus because he sends his followers to ask Jesus a question. The passage in Matthew 11 gives us this when he says, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. John sent his followers to Jesus and asked, Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Son of God who was prophesied about in Isaiah and elsewhere? The one we've been waiting so long for? And Jesus, in effect, replied, Well, what do you think? Look around. Look at how people are changed when they meet me. The blind can see, the lame walk, the diseased are cured, the deaf hear, the dead come back to life, and the poor hear the good news. In other words, people in desperate need are being healed. What do you think? Does that sound like the Messiah to you, Jesus said? Jesus did not come as a baby so that we could just have a nice holiday or give gifts, or get gifts, or any of that, as fun as all that can be. The first Christmas happened because we needed it. Jesus came, and the first Christmas occurred because we desperately needed Him. We were blind and lame and sick and deaf and dying. We were alone and in darkness, and we needed light. Death was stalking us, and we needed a Savior. We needed help, and help came. The great light came. Jesus came. That's why we had the first Christmas, and underneath all the lights and tinsel that we are celebrating in this season, what we truly are celebrating is the fact that the great light, what Isaiah called Jesus, has come into the world to light the way, to guide us, and to save us. And so why do I and other people cry when we see a flash mob singing the Hallelujah Chorus in a mall food court? took me a while to figure that out, but I think I did. When I watch that video and I hear the flash mob singing, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever, I think that down deep I realize... There is no more appropriate place in the world for those words to be heard than in the food court of a mall. A place where ordinary people are going about their lives, eating and drinking and talking and shopping, getting ready for Christmas, many of them without even knowing why. Living what Thoreau called lives of quiet desperation, 
fearing the darkness, terrified of death, and not even knowing that they are the reason that the great light has come into the world. They and we are the reason Jesus gave up everything to come into the world to sacrifice himself. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen.